Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast, we are discussing what you're discussing. We're talking feedback. Everything that we've talked about and you're talking about, there's talking about things that have talked about things, right? Matt, please save me. Right over this ad, we have no control over. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. I like your energy, sir. Thanks, man. A little different energy. I'm going with a little different energy, a little intensity. A little for intensity? Like, I'm going for like Matt Noir. Well, I love it 3,000. Oh, thanks, man. Well, let's start the show the way we always do with a five-star review from Apple Podcasts. I love it 3,000, says Chris G26. Thank you, Chris G26. <laughs> They say, this is my favorite podcast. I got home from Infinity War last year, and I was looking for a good MCU podcast, and I found Matt and Jeff. He says, five minutes into the show, I knew that I had found a favorite. If you give it a chance, then you will too. I tried out some other Marvel podcasts, but I haven't stuck with any of them. They cover everything from Inhumans to Endgame. <laughs> I love the spectrum there, Inhumans to Endgame. That's it's a like, good spectrum. It is a good spectrum. It's like the least known <laughs> to the most known, the worst to the best, yep. the worst CGI to the most amazing cinematic thing ever created. Uh, it's <laughs> like that. That we do cover. You know, we cover one universe, but this is quite a spectrum yep, of yep. things. Uh, thank I you, mean, Chris. That you means can. a ton for you to send in that five star review. We will. Uh, we appreciate if anybody else can do that. How are you today, Jeff? I'm still coughing, but I'm going to make it. I like it. I like it. I am not coughing, but I'm also going to make it. Yeah. It's easier when you're not coughing. It's I've true. Heard, I've heard. It's rather. true. Uh, we're diving right into feedback today. So uh, okay. we, we're, we're doing as much feedback as we can get to and go. Zuhair Ali says, Stephen Amell for Human Torch. Mm. I, I definitely support John Krasinski for Reed Richards. Uh, Stephen Amell. He, is, he plays uh, the Green Arrow. On Arrow, what do you think yes. of him as uh, as as that? I, you know, I mm, I don't like Arrow, okay. so it's not a good start. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I like Arrow. Okay, but I just Stephen Amell to me is too dark and brooding. I think he can be funny, but he's and he also doesn't to me is not the body type. And maybe maybe that's just because of what I've seen in the past. But but this did throw it at me. The idea of Grant Gustin as the Human Torch—that I could really get behind because he's scrawny. Yeah, the way that Human Torch kind of is. Yeah, and, I, I, and he's I got really the comedic see. delivery. Yeah, I could really see a Grant Gustin. Um, but uh, res total total respect to your thoughts, uh, Zuhar. Uh, I dig it. Um, but I, I think I, if if I'm gonna go with a CW universe hero. I think I'd have to go with uh, Mr. Grant Gudston, who plays The Flash. Yeah. Yeah. This is something that we're going to be talking about until Marvel decides to go ahead and re-release a Fantastic Four franchise and, yep. you know, and show us who they want for it. Yep. I mean, this all this fan casting is just, it's spawning so much, just there's fan art online of John Krasinski and Emily Blunt as uh, as Mr. Fantastic and the yeah. woman. Like, Somebody posted that on our MCU cast chat. Uh, and it group. looks great. Yeah, by the way, we have an MCU cast chat group. So if you, uh, a really easy way to reach us and reach out to each other is to go to that group, MCU cast chat. Um, and uh, sign up there and talk to everybody. It's just like, it's totally just a community thing. There's on no, Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook. Sorry, I didn't say that. There's also one on Reddit. We don't visit yep. as often, but... We have we have a subreddit that I am terrible at maintaining. Um, yeah. 
Red I, try, Dot, Red. I try to comment on everything in the MCU guest chat because the, I know that that's people who reached out and, uh, you know, tried to find us. So I appreciate that. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Reddit, the Reddit people did too, but I don't ever use Reddit. So I don't know how, I don't even know how to use Reddit, to be honest. I need to get better. I really need to get better. <laughs> this is the internet, Matt. This is how you internet. <sighs> this is how I internet. <laughs> All right, so Matt Klein gave us some feedback on our Venom uh, Spider-Man debate slash episode. Uh, He says, hey, guys, just listen to your Venom review. Well done. What are your guys' theories on how they will introduce Spidey into the Venomverse? Will Venom take a trip to NYC to track down someone and run into Spidey? Or will Peter's next class trip take them to San Francisco? I don't see Spidey being a major character in Venom 2, possibly a teaser at the end, or set it up for him to be in Venom 3. Keep up the great work. Cheers, Matt Klein. Hmm. From what I understand, they do say that he's not going to be a big a part of Venom 2. He might be a bigger part of a later movie, or Venom might be a bigger part of a future Spider-Man movie, but from what I've heard, he's going to be a small part. So I, my first thought was that Eddie Brock would want to investigate this Spider-Man, you know? Uh, although, yeah. especially if he's... What if Eddie Brock was a believer in the J. Jonah Jameson, uh, you know, the thoughts on Spider-Man and what he's doing? <laughs> And he like wants to investigate him, uh, but I don't see that he would want to eat Peter. <laughs> yeah, because he's a bad guy, and then he finds out he's just a kid, and then stops. I think that all could be cool, and that would all work. But I feel like that would be like a major. He'd be a major part of the Venom story. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. if it's just going to be a glancing, like he uh, he he happens upon him, then I really think that it's probably it just that. Uh, Eddie Brock goes to New York and somehow just in ca- like in the middle of a battle, Spider-Man shows up to help or stop or whatever. And I imagine they will be against each other at first. That's probably the best way to have it come up. Um, it's just that, you know, considering the events of Spider-Man far from home, the, at the very end of it, where uh, spoiler alert, he was, his identity was revealed to the world you know, through viral videos and, and J. Jonah Jameson wars, <laughs> the Daily Bugle. Um, with that being the end of it, like, there's no way, there's not really a way for Peter Parker to just be walking down the street like a normal person and just kind of like bump into Venom. You know, it's, no. it's some, there's got to be something, something special that, that brings him to, you know, that brings the two of them together, either Venom to him or him to Venom. Although, you know and, what I could see? What? A hooded, like, hooded sweatshirt Peter Parker, not Spider-Man. Peter Parker walking down the street, running from his life, or, like, hiding out in that, like, that classic MCU cast incognito mode where he's wearing, like, a, 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 a hat or whatever, like a plain hat. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen yep. that meme? No? Okay. I think so. There's a meme going around of, like, this is MCU cast, like, stock incognito mode and it shows like four or five different movies and all the people are wearing when they're when they're in hiding from the government they're all wearing the same thing yeah oh yeah the plain ball cap and the aviators yes thank you that's that's what i was getting at uh yeah we see we see spider-man walking down the street in that outfit and then venom uh freaking out about something maybe freaking out about carnage bumps into him on the street and then like the venom symbiote senses can and uh spider-man's peter tingle like interact in a way where they both sense each other as like threats and they're like or threats or strong power you know and they're like whoa what who are you what are you what are you and that's like maybe i could see that being it you know 
That's the way that they introduced everybody in into the Spider-Verse to each other. They had this, the Spider-Sense go off and they're like, oh, you're like me. What's wrong with that? <laughs> it's already been done. Yeah, but I mean, it's been done in a lot of things. I mean, Marty kisses his mom and realizes it. <laughs> <laughs> basically the same thing it's not i love i love that everything relates back to back to the future oh yeah for sure for sure (laughs) oh man that's funny (laughs) i've already talked about the the way that i think that venom should have come about and how eddie brock and and peter should have gotten uh their introduction and you know how eddie brock could have easily come into the mcu uh i discussed it at length on our venom episode so i'm not going to get back into it I just, I have no idea how they're going to bring Peter over from the MCU to the Venomverse in any kind of like easy capacity other than a multiverse hop. Yeah, it's tough. No, see, and I don't think they're going to do a multiverse hop. I don't think they're going to explain it. I think they're just going to be in the same universe, which is why we covered Venom last week. Ugh. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I know it sounds like I just said, ugh, at Venom. I was saying, ugh, at them not explaining it. It would be pretty easy if he was like, I had to get away from everybody, you know, getting on me. Uh, and the way that I got away was to hop across the multiverse. Yeah. That would be cool. Cause that would, that would be like, here's Peter doing science things that were, you know, we're told that he's so great at science, but we've never really seen him do anything science related other than like, he says he developed his web fluid. Yeah, that's true. We have, well, I mean, we saw him working on engineering the, su- the suit in, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, but admittedly, it was kind of like magic technology from Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah, it was technology from Tony Stark that is surprisingly easy to use, apparently. Maybe. Um, <laughs> maybe he's maybe he's very intuitive when yeah. it comes to that tech. He's supposed to be, and they just they haven't shown me that. They, except for they did in that one moment where they showed yeah, us that. It's Peter has this thing where he builds his own thing. So if he had built the system and then done it to, you know, if he had taken Tony Stark parts away from that crashed aircraft and put it all together to build a suit and construct the suit out of it, that would make more sense for Peter being the science bro that he's supposed to be. Sure. But in this world, in, in this world, and honestly, it's probably a little more realistic in this world. We've never seen except for the first Iron Man suit. We don't really see Tony Stark very often just build things from the ground up. He uses his technology to build these very impressive suits. You know what I mean? He uses yeah. already in place technology. And so it's just kind of Peter continuing that, uh, the, the thing they set up in the first movie. Now, I will admit, they did prove it with Tony Stark in, by having him build his first suit in a cave. He built yeah. this thing in a cave <laughs> from a box of scraps. <laughs> love it. I love it. Speaking of building... A, th- a, a thing in a cave from a box of scraps. John Forsyth sent us this, and I don't know if you've seen it yet. Have you seen this, his video that he sent? I, I have not watched the video yet. I didn't even know. Okay, that we let's were read. Let's read this, and you got to watch this video. Okay, John Forsyth says, "I built my own Jarvis!" Exclamation mark. That sounds amazing. Uh, he says, "I recently started a project to build my own Jarvis that can control appliances in my house and all the systems in a car." I'm including a link to a video I made showing what all it can do so far. I'm really excited to share this with you guys, and I'm honestly kind of nervous to be writing in because I love the cast and I'm kind of starstruck, even though it's just an email. 
Anyway, I hope you all are having a great day. Keep up the great work, and thank you so much for all the great content. Listening to you guys is an absolute blast. All right, Peace. first of all, that's that's crazy, John. Thank you very much for saying that. But yeah, we're we're just two guys who like to talk about Marvel. But that is so sweet. Uh, but you should watch that video now. Uh, this this okay. video is pretty pretty crazy cool. I'm gonna go um, watch this video. And you guys, uh, we we posted it on our Facebook page. So go to facebook.com/slash/mcucast if you want to see the video. It should be one of the top things this week. Uh, but yeah, it, it, he built his own Jarvis, and I hope he's okay that I shared the video. It only had 44 views, and I don't know if it'll get a bunch or whatever. But it's real cool, and it should get a bunch. It's up to 51 now. Oh shit! <laughs> it's going. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it. Give me two minutes. Oh man, that's so cool. <laughs> right? That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, so if you did not get a chance to watch that, which if you're listening to this, you might be in the car or whatnot, uh, you should check it out later. It's uh, John Forsyth. Uh, around his house, he's programmed a speech controller where he's like, Jarvis, do this. Jarvis, do that. It's basically like he's built his own Alexa and calling it Jarvis. It's real cool. He like has it yeah. start his car, which is super Iron Man of him. Uh, super cool, <laughs> super cool. He has a PS here too, which says uh, yeah. something about how he programmed it, I think. Yeah, uh, the PS is, Matt, I need to find a vinyl of Left to Burn so that I can recreate that scene in Iron Man 2. I'm already halfway through getting the robot arm up and running for Jarvis. And Jeff, I figured you'd like to know that I wrote him partly in Python, C++, and in Bash. Cool. I don't know about those coding languages. I know what a vinyl is. Uh, yeah, I uh, I would love to send a, send you a vinyl of Left to Burn, but unfortunately, uh, I don't think there's enough people that want it. Hey, if a bunch of you want vinyls of my album Left to Burn, let me know because I I will make them if enough people want them. But as of now, I think it's uh, it's it's very cost prohibitive unless you can sell like two two or three hundred of them. I think. Is what oh, I've heard. Matt, Matt, there's this thing that I've uh, I've signed up for. Um, do you know? Or you probably don't. It's music you probably never heard of. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably uh, right. Do you know who the matches are? No. Okay. Uh, have you heard of Tim Deville or Saint Ranger? No. Okay. Sean Harris is the the front man for the matches and Saint Ranger. Uh, Tim Deville is uh, kind of his his really good buddy, also a musician, and uh, they started a podcast where they basically spend. Uh, four to six episodes writing a song together. Well, one of them is writing the song, and the other is producing. And then they switch huh. roles for their for their next quarter because uh, they release them quarterly. And they they write the song while recording the podcast, and then they send or like they they post all of them all kind of over the course of a few weeks once Neat. a quarter. But at the beginning of it, because they're recording them you know months in advance, they um, they finish the the song and then get it pressed and and written onto flexi discs which are like one shot square shaped little uh maybe six minute long vinyls that can be you know you can send them the file they'll they'll write it to the to the flexi disc and it's basically like a little sheet of acrylic that you can put onto your record player and play it um, it came about in, I think, the 60s and 70s when huh. um, Russia was uh, was trying to illegally make, you know, make and distribute music on these on this type of uh, this type of medium. Nate, and what's then, that show called? Uh, it's called uh, the Pretend Record Club. I am <coughs> subscribing. 
as we speak because that is very up my alley. I I love that kind of stuff. Uh, there's a show called Oh gosh, now I'm going to blank on it. There's a show called Song Exploder. Yep. Yep. And that's a really fun show. I, I may have mentioned it before on our podcast because it's a it's a podcast where they take a song that's already produced and then they actually get the files from the studio and they break it down and talk about each element of it like then we add it they talk about the writing process then they'll talk about like how they produced it and like they'll you listen you listen to all the different elements of it and then sort of like building the track it's really cool it's really really that's cool. cool with pretend record club as you're as you're listening you hear like probably three or four different demo versions of the song before it gets to the actual thing. And there's supposed to be a um, kind of like a, an unveiling thing at the end of it when they're done releasing that quarter's uh, album or that, that quarter's set of, of episodes where you listen to the thing while they talk about it. That sounds super cool. I'm absolutely going to check that out. But the flexi disc that they, that they do, that they talk about, is something that I think that you could get into. Interesting. Okay. I don't, yeah, it sounds like it's a one shot for one song, like a like a single. Yeah, it's it's just singles that they've been putting okay, out. Okay, cool. Maybe I should do that with my Star Trek songs that I'm writing. You um, should. <laughs> anyway, um, back to John Forsyth. Yes, back to John. Uh, John, uh, I, I, but there would be nothing that would make me happier than to see a Jarvis arm changing a record uh, of my Left to Burn album. Uh, that would make me. That would I'd combine my mind would have to explode. So if 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 it would if I can make it happen, I will. <laughs> <laughs> and John, it is super freaking cool that you've done that. Um, you, I've been looking recently at uh, getting into a kind of a boot camp class for uh, doing data engineering because I'm already really big into Azure as far as um, you know the the cloud platform and having looked at what big data has for like population health uh, in healthcare is a really cool thing, but just big data as far as processing and, you know, machine learning in that field as well. And natural language processing, like all of these things are really freaking cool. And what you've done so far is amazing and makes me so badly want to get into that class. Yeah. I'm super impressed. That's real cool. You should absolutely market that as a thing. <laughs> I, want, I want one at yes. my house. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, if you could get it as uh, like a maybe a skin to the Google Assistant, and you know go through the Google API for that, it would be amazing. I would get it so fast. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've said for I said for years when all the voice to voice technologies were around, all the Alexas and the Amazon. No, wait, that is the Alexa. Whatever the other one, the Google Home or whatever. Google um, Assistant. Okay. Uh, yeah, all those. I've been saying for years that as soon as one of them made one that you could use the Star Trek voice, I would get one. All right. And then I broke down and finally got an Alexa just because I wanted one. Uh, but yeah, I, I really wish they would make a Star Trek voice. Like there's 50 years of that show that all had the same lady as the computer. Yeah. So they surely have enough uh, information to make a pattern of her voice. You know? Yeah, you would think. You would think. Or you would think. Yeah. I really want a Major Barrett on my, on my, like a Star Trek branded Star Trek Alexa. That'd be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, talk to John. He can probably, uh, 
you know, make a bot to do a bit of deep learning, feed all of the episodes of Star Trek into it, tell it to look only at these lines uh, <laughs> and listen to it, and then replicate that voice. Like, seriously, that's a thing that can be done with processes today. Oh, yeah. It's crazy how good things are getting and, and the ability for computers to do so much of the labor for you. And like, I don't know. It's so cool, man. All right. Well, yeah. Let's get into this next piece of feedback. All right. Gavin Fry says, hello, I'm Gavin Fry and I am an MCU cast addict. Hi, Gavin. Hi, Gavin. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he continues. I have a few theories that I think check out fairly well. First, wouldn't it be awesome if Galactus showed up in guardians of the galaxy volume three, it would fit too. They need a new villain for Phase 3 and 4, and it would be a perfect, perfect opportunity to bring in Silver Surfer as well, and then bring in the Fantastic Four later in Phase 5. I love that idea. Um, I love that idea, but I, I am a little worried that if uh, Galactus came in, he would be a joke, which honestly, a giant who eats planets might, maybe they should make that a joke, but I feel like it would be a uh, Mandarin situation where if they make Galactus a joke then everyone's going to be real pissed off. <laughs> yeah, it would. It would be a real bad situation like that. I think that they could make it a joke to start with. And Peter, like Peter Quill would be like, you he eats planets. Like what, what do you, what? <laughs> that doesn't make any, it can't be right. Yeah. But then like he goes and sees the, the rampant destruction involved in it and how it's like ruining civilizations. And he's like, Oh God, no, we got to stop this. And then gets terrified and runs to Earth. I have a feeling it'll be sort of like Ego, where Ego was a planet, but he, you know, isn't actually a planet. He's just a being who has manifested a planet, you know, and that planet is is him, but is also he also has a personality, a personage. I think that if they make a Galactus thing, it'll, they'll probably have to do some sort of similar uh, rewriting of that, where it still is the thing. He is the thing that he is, but he's also, you know some other but but they but that's the thing we, we, they can't just make it like an energy cloud you know that's the problem with so many movies they don't do the thing the comics do and just do the things the comics do and normally you're making the right call except in extreme circumstances and i don't know if galactus crosses that line you know yeah is a, yeah. Is a tall a big big guy who eats planets is that too far is that like too far for movie audiences well, that's the crazy thing about Galactus is that in the comics he's been so many different sizes. Yes, like he's been he's been like twelve feet tall before, but he's also been like big enough to hold the world in his palm. So, like his his changing in size, his inconsistency in in size makes it really difficult to write for him because you want to make him a big threat, but then if he's only like twelve feet tall, then he's not that big a threat. Yeah, it's just a Thanos, you know. Yeah, he's just a big Thanos and Thor's just gonna smash him with the hammer and then everything's gonna be okay, right? Yeah. It'll obviously be I mean like Ego. Ego was just looked like just a man uh in the character, but he had a lot of power. So I don't know what they'll do. We'll see. Yeah. Is yeah. he related to the Celestials at all? Uh, Galactus? I don't. Yeah. I don't think so. I'm just curious. The the the, the big heads. I don't know. Because we already <laughs> we've already introduced into this universe like a basically a planet sized head. So it, it very well could be that they could introduce Galactus, or maybe even make him a Celestial. I could I could see the Eternals movie introducing Galactus. You know. Yeah, but I, I like the idea of Guardian, Guardians got Volume Three introducing maybe introducing the Silver Surfer. Yeah, that would be that would I mean they would be the people to do it. Yeah, they're out there. They're out there. They're out there. 
<laughs> and he had another theory here, right? Yep, yep, multiple theories here. Uh, second, the trailer for Black Widow does not take place in between Civil War and Infinity War because it has her running away from the organization and Clint Barton is her target. doesn't make sense if she's just meeting him between Civil War and Infinity War, does it? Yeah. Anyway, love the podcast. Been here since Winter Soldier and just got the courage to write in. It's Rubric, Matt, not rubric <laughs> <laughs> thank you gavin you're an asshole no i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> thank you i love I you really, gavin do it more i really appreciate that everyone let me know that it's rubric and not rubric um i said i said that word earlier today actually to matthew west fox uh, over on the orville universe podcast and i was like rubric and i just like really gave it a k um anyway uh, yeah no i really like that thought on the 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 movie i haven't seen that in the trailer uh that clinton barton's i guess i haven't seen that trailer yet maybe have i not seen that trailer is there a new trailer i don't think there's been a trailer yet i mean yeah i don't know i, I don't know which trailer he means so i'd have to look it up but if that's true that she's chasing down barton i i've always thought that this this movie might be about her early days and might show us Budapest. And even if the movie happens between Civil War and Infinity War, it, it could be that it's one of those, like, that's where it happens, but there's lots of flashback. You know, like, it's a, it's a movie told in flashback, possibly. Yeah. I, I think that there's going to be a lot of jumping around for that movie. It, they better like they kind of didn't service her character well and now they have to fill in all those holes and she said in a uh, in an interview that that movie is actually going to start off a new franchise interesting so yeah i think that's going to be kind of a, a passing of the torch sort of thing right uh, of the black widow mantle yeah and we might see the the lady who was in spider-man far from home because apparently maybe she was supposed to be a um a black widow a version yeah a version of black widow in the comics yeah Cool. Dig it. All right. So next up, Jordan Metro said, rampant speculation. Greetings from the Great White North. I'll get right to it. This may sound a little far-fetched, but just trust me. What if the Eternals movie is actually an Eternals movie? <laughs> I know there's a lot of people who like to joke about the movie not being real, but I think there are actually a lot of cool ways to integrate them into the main MCU. After the post credit scene from uh, in Far From Home, it wouldn't make sense for Marvel to leave the Skrull tease unused for an entire phase, and I think this is the best chance we have of seeing the Skrulls appear. Since most of the upcoming movies will be based on Earth, with the exception of Thor and Doctor Strange, which deal with different realms that are unrelated to the Skrulls, this is really the only opportunity for them to give us more information on their plans. While it may only be a teaser near the end of the movie, it still seems fairly likely to me. It could also allow Captain Marvel to show up near the end, since she won't have anything else to do in the upcoming movies either, and I doubt they'll leave her character dormant for an entire phase either. Sorry for the long message. Love the podcast. Hmm. Thank you, Jordan. Those are good thoughts. I don't. I just don't know what they're going to do, because I feel like we have such a long break right now that not using these characters does feel like it's going to be a long time before we get some of these characters again. And I also want them to be able to make smaller movies where they focus on care on one character at a time, like they used to, to be able to build this all back up. But yeah, it, he makes a great point. Like the scroll, the scroll tease at the end of Spider-Man feels like normally when you, they tease something, it comes out in the next movie. Yeah. It's usually a really big freaking deal. Yeah. So it, it could be that they put that tease in there to hint at something they're planning to do five movies from now. Um, and, and I, 
one way I could see that going down is if it's a big surprise that when the scrolls show up, you know what I mean? Like the scrolls, we don't see them for five movies. And then when the scrolls show up, you're like, Oh, of course, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you get that like return of the King moment where you know that uh, Aragorn went off to find those guys, but he doesn't show up until the moment when you've finally forgotten about him, you know, or like in Spider-Man far from home where they almost had you that Quentin Beck is a good guy. And then like, right about the time you're going to trust him. He's like, Oh, switcheroo bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not really the thing I was talking about, but sure. Yeah. That is also a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get the rug pulled out from under you um, and you fall on your butt. Mm hmm. So lots of, butt that's falling. obviously, that's obviously directly related. Yeah. It's a direct correlation, Matt. It's perfect. Come yeah, on. But I, th- I think at this point, they haven't changed it yet. It's got to be an Eternals movie, right? It's like November. Yeah. It's like we're a year away, I think. Yeah, it's it's November of next year. I think November 2nd is the uh, the release date. Man, we're a year from Eternals. That feels so long. I can't wait for more MCU, man. I'm Jones in here. I'm falling into other universes. I'm cheating on... Uh, the MCU. You're cheating on the MCU. Star Trek. Well, let's face it. Star, I'm, I'm cheating on the Star Trek with MCU. It's just Star Trek. You're been just my, getting back with your ex. Is all yeah, you're doing. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I might have been wrong on that. Oh, sorry. It's actually November 6th. Oh, okay, cool. Enough about your ex and, and how you're cheating. Andre Sparks says, listen to your fan cast episode. Had to add, Charlize Theron would be a great Emma Frost and Yvonne Strahovski would be a great Mystique. I don't know Yvonne Strahovski. Uh, I'm sure she'd be wonderful, but Charlize Theron as Emma Frost is inspired. I feel like she would be a it wonderful really Emma is. Frost. That's one of the best calls. Yeah, really, that has we, been made. We had someone mention Charlize Theron for another part a couple weeks ago, and I'm, I'm blanking on it. But her as as Emma Frost would be really good. She has that like you know likability, but also like an intensity that could work really well. Yep, the likability, the intensity, and the the sex appeal, like because that's a big part of Emma Frost. Absolutely, as far as her costume is that sex appeal. Absolutely, so, and she's also at least in the newer aid. The the stuff I've seen, she's a little bit one of the older ones on the team, right? Yeah, she's more of a mentor. Yeah, she's more of a mentor figure. So, like that works really well for her. Being she's still drop dead gorgeous, but she's also a little bit of an older. Uh, actress at this point, you know, she's, yes. no, she's not the, I feel so we, we talked a lot about the casting of these various characters and we're always like the age, age making them age appropriate is always tricky. Uh, but I think she, she'd be perfect for that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think that we had, uh, we had talked about her for maybe, uh, fantastic four. That's right. And Someone mentioned her as Sue storm. Yeah. And we were like, nah, we want to bring in uh, a younger actor, you know, so that they can lock him in for 14 movies or some shit yeah, like that. But a Nemo Frost type, I, I could absolutely see. Yeah, I'm absolutely down with her. Being also, all of her action... She, she's, a, she's a killer act, action star still. Um, yeah. But a lot of her action would be CGI. Man, yeah, the more I think about it, she'd be a killer. She's great, great call, man. Great call. Great call, Andre. <laughs> Yep. Uh, Sarah Elizabeth King says, just listening to your fan cast theories, and I have a fun thought. Uh, what if they brought in Liam Hemsworth for a role, either in Fantastic Four or X-Men? He's handsome, good at being funny and serious. I wouldn't mind having two Hemsworth brothers in the MCU. So I've not really seen Liam in much, but, you know, I, I, I like uh, Chris a lot. And if he's, as you know, as good as an actor and 
definitely an attractive man. So yeah, sure. <laughs> He's not, not that that's everything. <laughs> Uh, and, and yeah, I, I feel like though, if you, if you bring in another Hemsworth, uh, you should make it somehow related to Thor, right? Like, I mean, even if like as a villain for Thor or as a, just something like they they got to play off each other at some point. I feel like that'd be a missed opportunity. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being silly. Wasn't he, wasn't one of the Hemsworth brothers, um, playing not Loki. He played Th- Thor in the, uh. Yeah, he was in the play. In the in play. Ragnarok. Was that Liam or was that... that uh, I believe that was Liam. Yeah. So sorry. I'm sorry, but Liam's already in the universe. <laughs> He's already in universe. <laughs> <laughs> and that means we can't have Matt Damon. Yeah. Uh, Matt Damon can never be anything and neither can Liam Hemsworth. No, obviously yeah. that was not an important enough role. They could absolutely put in something else. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I think he'd be, <laughs> he'd be good. He'd be good. I just don't know. I don't know him well enough to be like, he'd be great as this. Devin Tovar said, okay, I don't know if this is the right place to send theories. And maybe someone has said this already, but I think it'd be genius if Marvel did solo movies and or cameos of different X-Men phase one style, and then have the end of that phase be an official X-Men movie mirroring how the Avengers was set up and executed. I also think it'd be really cool to see an Avengers versus X-Men movie, but that'd be a long ways away and it wouldn't be as cool without Cap or Tony. So there's a lot in there, and I think I think that is really smart. Uh, it, it, the, the problem with the, starting an X Men franchise right now, one of the biggest problems for me, is they just finished one, and you know I know they did it with Spider Man, but it's just like I need a break before I see another X Men movie. I think you know, yeah, especially with them coming out with uh, with New Mutants, yeah, New in Mutants April in April. So like it's like we're still going to be having that other universe still kicking around for a while. You know, yeah. So unless there's going to be a crossover from that universe and like an incursion from that universe into into the MCU, I don't see it working so soon. I mean, they've got a lot on their plate as it is, and yeah. it's going to be several years uh, before there's space for an X Men movie as far as just, you know elbow room in the MCU. Yeah, as far as release times, it could well happen. But if you do what Devin's talking about here. Like, as a side character, you start introducing mutants or, or, you know, the idea of mutants and then, like, start introducing certain characters, uh, uh, like I said, as side characters or as secondary characters. And and, and particularly if you introduce characters we haven't seen on screen before or versions of characters that haven't been around as much, like... I don't know. You know, they've, they've kind of really done Jean Grey, Cyclops, and Wolverine in, like, multiple to, formations. To Mystique, too. Like, they've, they've done those to death. And, like, I want to see those characters, but I feel like if they started with... Uh, just, like, just like when they started the MCU, they started with characters that weren't the most popular characters, and they built them to be the most popular characters, so that when you see them on screen with Wolverine, six movies from now, you're like, oh, this is what I've been waiting on, you know? Yeah, I mean, that could be good, but the the great thing about X-Men is it's a story about found family, and it works best, like every X-Men comic has worked best as an ensemble, so having them be in individual movies might not necessarily be the best thing for for those characters. And it might be awesome for the characters because that's, you know, the it's a change of medium, so it's harder to have an ensemble cast and have everybody do everything, or, you know, do everybody have time and, and, you know, everybody find love. Uh, they, you know, James Gunn made it work in gardens of the galaxy, but you know, maybe, maybe it'll work better in a, in an individual format like that. I don't know, but hmm. 
I mean, the the thing about X Men is it's not about the individuals; it's about the survival of people and like what makes them what makes them worthy of survival. Like they're still people; they're just you know they're a little bit different. So it's you know it's that kind of story of of what's ethically right to do. Yeah, I, and and I, I agree with you. I think that it the overall story of the X-Men and that's why I think it would be interesting if the, like like Devin says if the X-Men was the big team up movie uh but don't necessarily even have any of them as main characters but like have one as a character in Doctor Strange or a couple as a character in Doctor Strange because they're dealing with the fallout of um, WandaVision where she created all the mutants, you know, <laughs> something to that effect. Like there's, they, they could have little drips and drabs of, in, uh, in these other movies that are already scheduled, they could have mutants showing up all over the world and then come together for a big thing where, you know, the tensions about mutant kind have been building over all these movies and the X-Men are formed to protect their kind or like, or the brotherhood is formed to try to fight back. And then the X-Men are formed to fight the brotherhood, you know, defend mutants in a different way. I'd like to see them do that sort of thing with, uh, the lesser known characters like, um, uh, like not nightcrawler. Nightcrawler is pretty well known, but like some, well, but nightcrawler hasn't been done as much. Yeah. He's had the one screen presence. Well, I think he has two. I think he was in two and three or was it? He was not in three. Oh, Okay. Okay. Well, I may be wrong. He was in the the newer ones in um, uh, not Days of Future Past. The next one. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't remember him being in those. He wasn't he in Apocalypse um, and um, Dark Phoenix. I don't remember. I haven't seen Dark Phoenix yet. Uh, but I f- I know Beast was in those movies. There's nuts of the other blue guy. <laughs> uh, but you know they could they could do some of those lesser known characters. Gambit has never really been done in a big way. Um, they could also start with the villains, like start building villains you care about who are being wronged by society in these other movies uh, and building up the brotherhood as an enemy. And then you have to kind of find the team to face them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that could be a way to go. Could be cool. Uh, but, you know, you got Iceman who's in that original X-Men team who has not really been in a lot of things. I think there there was an Iceman for sure in those early X-Men movies, but he wasn't like a main character really. So... Uh, he was a major love interest of Rogue. Well, yeah, but that was that felt like a side story. And wasn't that the third one? Was that the third one? Like the last stand where he's where they're on the run together. Mm, I don't know. We need to rewatch no? those movies, <laughs> and maybe we will tease, tease, <gasps> tease, tease, right. tease, tease, tease. Let's do this last piece of feedback. All right, superhero ethics tweeted out and said, "I loved your crossover episode." Avengers and Dr. Horrible sounds fun, but when you had them singing, I thought an old rumpled British librarian was going to show up and tell them about a demon named Sweet. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> considered it uh, superhero ethics. I believe that's uh, Matthew S. Fox over at Superhero Ethics uh, shooting us a message. I-, I enjoyed doing the crossover episode. It was probably our silliest episode we've ever done. The least yeah. actual business got done in that episode, but I, yeah, I rather enjoyed it. I rather enjoyed it. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Someone else out there enjoyed it too. Thank you, Superhero Ethics. Yeah. Check out the Superhero Ethics podcast. They're rad. They're real rad. They're buddies of ours. Um, yeah. All right. Well, guys, we'll be back soon. That's all the feedback for today. We'll be back real soon with more uh, MCU cast next week. Peace. Until next time, true believers. Mm-hmm.